unified, disciplined followers of Jesus will change the world. They did it once before. You might remember, you may have read the book of Acts. We're just a handful of, you know, fishermen, tax collectors, throwing a few doctors, a Pharisee, a religious person. Throw them all into the mix. What did you get? The world got changed completely forever. Just a handful of them. So if we want to continue to be a church in this season and continue to be a church for those not here yet, that starts with a strategy um, for not reaching the lost. I believe those, that was the 80s and the 90s. The strategy that we have now is to strengthen those that are found. I believe we've reached that point in the West where the strategy to reach the world, to be cells of unified followers of Jesus who are disciplined, we've actually got to reach the found. We've actually got to strengthen those who are found so we can be strength for those who are not. Throw the slide up for me, that first slide one. Um, Aiden, if you would throw that. We've got a few slides this morning. I know I'm not really a slide guy, but um, this morning I've got to throw up a few slides. Disciplined community of light providing refuge in the dark. Is that something that you would want to, be, want to be part of? A disciplined community of light providing refuge in the dark. It's got to be disciplined. You're thinking, well, Shane, why has it got to be disciplined? Of course it's got to be disciplined. You know, if you never washed your car and then you're traveling from here to St. George on a Sunday night after the footy, you're going to hit a kangaroo. You're going to hit one because you can't see because you never washed your car. Because you weren't disciplined to wash in front of your lights. You can't see where you're going. You can't, you're not a guide to anybody else either. It's got to be disciplined, disciplined community of believers. Anyway, how do we create, a, how, do we, how does that happen? That's my question this morning. How do we get this? How do we get a disciplined community of light providing refuge in the dark? Well, stay tuned. That's where we're going this morning. Lord God, I just thank you for your presence in this house already. I thank you, Lord, that you got here before us. Before the worship team opened the doors this morning and came in and set a few things up and fixed a few tech glitches, before that ever happened, you were here. You were waiting. You had bated breath for us. You're like, I want to be involved in what's happening this morning in this house. And so, Lord God, this morning we open our hearts to you and we say, hey, God, we've come here expectancy. We've given up, you know, whatever else we could be doing this morning because we want to hear from you. We want to worship you. We want to give you the glory that is due your name. But also, Lord God, we want to hear from you. And Lord, I pray that's the story for everyone in this house this morning. I pray everybody in the house receives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Have you ever been part of like a church or a business or a club or just any sort of organized, any type of group of people that you've been part of and you've been there for a few weeks and you realize, hey, I don't understand everything that's being said. I'm not up with all the terminology that's going on here. Yeah, has that been your, you know, acronyms and stuff like that in, a, in your place of work? Like every now and again, like Leah comes home from school and she'll talk about something and I'm just like, oh, I've got no, some acronym for some teaching thing. And I've got no idea. It's not my, it's not my thing. And each organisation has its own special lingo. If there's a culture there, if there's a community, if there's a family. See, at our house, we could be having, you know, tea, you know, we're eating our tea, and somebody can, there's certain sentences, not all sentences, obviously, but there's certain sentences that I can start, or Rory can start, or Marty can start, and then somebody else will finish the sentence. Or you say half the sentence and everybody laughs because everybody knows the end of the sentence. All right, so I haven't teed these guys up, but boys, um, you win with grace, but you 
Lose without excuse. Okay, that's just one. I don't know if you caught that. But, but at our house, you win with grace, but you lose without excuse. Oh, we, don't, we don't tolerate excuses at our house. All right, so that's just one of the things that we, that we talk about. So there's also lots of little, little jokes. Um, um, is that the end of the story? That's a good story. <laughs> is that the end of the story? Yeah. Oh, that's a great story. <laughs> so it's one of the little, little stories that I have. So there's all this stuff. That I, I didn't tee them up for either of those. That's just stuff that gets finished. You know, if we brought up acronyms and stuff like that, um, there's a few I won't say from the pulpit. <laughs> They're probably best left at the kitchen table. But anyway, a few years back, I was, you know, we had, um, we had a, there was a new member of our worship team, right? And so he was going really well, and we were showing, showing him a bit of stuff. And, and I said, mate, how are you enjoying the worship team? He'd only been there for a couple of weeks. And he said, mate, I really love the team. And I love the vibe and the community and all that. Uh, and it was all great. But he said to me, you talk about fold back and feedback and the front of the house. And he said, I went outside and didn't see anything. You know, he said, he said, we use wedges here. You're always talking about the wedges, but I haven't, nobody's ever brought food to, you, to one of your rehearsals. We don't eat them. He said, you guys talk about EQ, but nobody's talking about IQ. Maybe that's, a, that's the something we should start doing here. He said, you know, you've, you've got the desk here, but the desk, everyone's at the desk this, the desk that, the desk that. Nobody's doing any writing. No one's approached the desk with any writing. He said, when you, I've heard you talk about four on the floor, and there's nobody, in, there's not a gearbox inside. There's four. He said, you have PCOs, you have BGVs, you have BPMs, you have MDs, uh, and they're always talking about the key, but I've never seen one. And you said, I don't seem to ever be able to find it either. So he's like, there's all this terminology, and that's just the worship team here, right? And so, so doesn't it stand to reason that, you know, there's certain phrases around this house that people say, and you're like, I'm actually not 100% sure what's going on. Well, if we're going to be unified community of discipline, followers of Jesus changing the world, I thought it was time we need to talk about a few of the phrases of Life Church again. I think it's time that we need to start going, hey, you know what? This is what this means. You might have heard some other people talk about this. You might have heard me briefly touch on it in a message, um, but this is what this stuff means. So if we're going to talk about our DNA what melds us together, what creates a disciplined community of light providing refuge in the dark. If we're talking about Roma rescue, not Bondi rescue, where would we find a great format for that, a great model for that? Well, I don't know about you, but any time, and I mean this, any time in my life that I've gone, you know what, I think tradition, culture, what's easy is getting in the way of what you're calling us to do. You know where I go? I go straight to the book of Acts because that was a community of people no different to the people gathered in this room, to be honest. The training level was no different. Completely changed the world. So I always go to Acts. I go, what were those guys doing that was so different to what we're doing? If they changed the world, what would they? What did they understand that we don't? Let Come with me to Acts chapter 2, verse 42. If you've been in this church for some, you know, for a decade, and some of you have, you must have heard this preached two or three times a year. Just this passage. I'll, I'll, I'll preach a verse to you. I'll, I'll read a verse to you later. Or it's in this passage. I reckon I could preach a whole year on. This is a rich passage of Scripture. Acts chapter 2, verse 42, if we can throw that up. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They devoted themselves. And to fellowship. they devoted themselves to fellowship. And they devoted themselves to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, which we did just a minute ago, bring your own communion. And they devoted themselves to prayer. I'm quite confident, though, not on the grand final night. Verse 43, here's what happens when you do those things. A deep sense of awe 
came over them all. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. In verse 44, and all the believers, all of them, met together in one place and shared everything they had. And they sold their property and their possessions and they shared the money with those in need. They worshipped together, catches at the temple each day. Every day. This is what it takes to change the world. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper, for communion. That's what, you know, the, the thing we did earlier. And they shared their meals with great joy and generosity. Now, this is a church in amidst harsh persecution. It says they worshipped together, they met in homes, and they, they met and they shared their meals with great joy and generosity. This was a group of people whose own families were rejecting them. It wasn't like, oh, the Roman Empire. No, all their mates. We've, we're, not, we're not close to the persecution that these guys were, were enjoying with great joy and generosity. And all the while praising God and enjoying. And this is the key for me. This is what means, makes this paragraph a success. And it says, all the while praising God, no matter their circumstances. But even, this next bit is even more powerful. All the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. It's always blown me away that little bit. Because here these guys are, and it actually says, you know, in other, in other, either it's another place or another, another, or does it say it further on? No, I'll, I'll get it finished and I'll share that. So all the will of all the people, and each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Each day. But I'll just go back to the goodwill of all the people. I've always found it amazing. So, so the Romans were trying to kill them. The high priests were trying to kill them. Um, you know, they just crucified Jesus literally weeks earlier. And it says, yet the people, the Aussies, if you like, the general population, they were in awe of them. Like, I don't know. I, I'm, and there's another passage of Scripture that says they, wouldn't, it says they wouldn't join them, but they held them in great awe and honour. I always find that interesting. I thought, you know what? Sometimes there's people who won't necessarily come here on, in the morning, but they're watching and they're going, that's what a great human looks like. Isn't that amazing? I love that part of this passage. So this, the title of this morning's sermon, you can throw this slide up as well, is a place to sow, a place to grow, and a place to celebrate. A place to sow. Now, now some of you got, hopefully could have finished that sentence for me. A place to sow, a place to grow, and a place to celebrate. I'm pretty sure I was actually thinking about the Demchenkos this morning. I'm thinking of all the Sundays that you would turn up, you're preaching, I'm preaching a message that you would know how to finish the sentence. A place to sow, a place to grow, and a place to... No, no, there should be one that just says a place to sow, a place to grow, and a place to celebrate, if you could throw that back up for me. It's just got the three. A place to sow, a place to grow, and a place to celebrate. A slide there, if you could have a look, because we'll get to these in a second. But slide two. Recipe for a disciple. A place to sow, a place to grow, and a place to celebrate. If you're one of these people who likes to take a, fo a photo of something that's notes, do that. Because if you can remember those three words, a place to sow and a place to grow and a place to celebrate, really, you're going to be on the right track as a disciple of Jesus. Sometimes we ask ourselves, what's God asking me to do? You know, what's the next step for me? What is God calling me to? Well, my belief after doing this journey for decades gave my, my heart to Jesus. I think I was roughly 10. So there's a few decades in there. I'm convinced that if we could get this right, this is the recipe. This is the recipe. 
a place to sow, a place to grow, a place to sow. You don't ask that question. People who have found a place to sow, they've found a place to grow, and they've found a place to celebrate aren't asking that question. There's a few reasons for that, and we'll unpack them as we go. But in the passage this morning, three identifiable, leave that slide up until I ask you to change it. Three identifiable things happened in this passage. One was giving, which is our sowing. That happened in this little passage I read to you. Sowing happened in verse 42, in verse 44, in verse 45, and verse 46. Teaching and prayer happened. You might have noticed that. That's growing. That happened in verse 42. That happened in verse 43. And it happened in verse 46. So I'm not making this stuff up. Fellowship happened. That's our celebrate. That's getting together. Fellowship happened in verse um, 42, 44, 46, and 47. Interestingly enough, fellowship occurred more times than the other two. Isn't that interesting? It's very interesting. And of course, both 42 and 46 include sowing, growing, and celebrating all in the same verse. There's two verses in this very short passage. So when the writer of Acts, Luke, uh, who was a doctor, who, who knew a lot of these guys, just pull that back off somehow, um, who, who, um, who knew a lot of those guys, when he wrote this down, when he was trying to describe the revival that was happening, when he was trying to describe a group of people that the world was looking at in awe and going, we really want to get in there. These are the things that he wrote down. A place to sow, a place to grow, and a place to celebrate. Everybody needs that. Everybody. Disciples of Jesus need a place to sow, a place to grow, and a place to celebrate. And this is what it meant to be a follower of Jesus when Jesus' followers changed the world. I'll say that again. A place to sow, a place to grow, a place to celebrate. That's what it meant to be a follower of Jesus when followers of Jesus were changing the world. And I'm going to say that one more time. That is what it meant to be a follower of Jesus when Jesus' followers were changing the world. The world. We're going to start with, so don't put the slide up just yet. Yeah, don't put the slide up just yet. So find your place to sow. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. Here's the thing. Everybody needs a cause bigger than themselves. Did you know that? Disillusionment happens when our cause is ourself. That's when disillusionment happens because I didn't get what I thought was coming to me. I didn't realize. I thought this was happening over here. I, I really are deserving of this. I have a right for this. See, that's all about me. And that's where disillusionment lives. That's where disillusionment lives. When it's all about me. You see, see, there was an ad, and only the people my age and maybe older will remember. Do you remember the Mars ad? Work, rest, and play. You know, Mars a day helps you work, rest, and play. Who, just, this is a hands-up moment. Who remembers the Mars ad? A Mars a day helps you work, rest, and play. Well, I would say this. I would want to leave a bigger mark on the world than that. Why didn't Mars say, a Mars a day helps you change the world? Mate, that's a, that's a bar I would have bought, even though at the time it was 40 cents and most other chocolate bars were 30 cents. I probably would have paid the extra 10 cents if I thought I could change the world. But can we hear, can we go, let's aim a little bit higher than work, rest and play? Can we be a group of people who go, you know, work, rest and play, that's a great goal, but really, seriously, that's what you're about? Can we, can we do that? Can we aim a little bit higher? I've heard it said that problems, this is so true, that problems get smaller when purpose gets bigger. Have you ever heard that? See, people who, who are really concerned by the little things, there's not a lot of purpose going on. 
Because, you know, it's the old, it's not the first person who said, don't sweat the small stuff, they had a cause. All right? They had a big cause. Because purpose, um, so problems get smaller when purpose gets bigger. But I like to think this. I like to think that the bigger the cause, the less likely the excuse. Think about it. The bigger the cause, the less likely the excuse. If I'm training for the Olympics, I'll probably get out of bed and, and jump into a cold pool on a winter's morning and train, right? That's a big cause, winning an Olympic gold medal. But for me personally, it might not be you, but for me personally, getting fit ain't happening. Shane's not jumping into a cold pool on a winter morning to get fit. That cause just ain't big enough, all right? So I'm happy to come up with an excuse, like anything, really. Uh, my legs, you know, a bit tired or I don't know, whatever. My favorite TV show wasn't on. Whatever excuse that I would need to not dive into that pool would be enough. But I tell you what, if my cause was bigger, the excuses disappear. I like to think the bigger the cause, the less likely the excuse. Now, here's the thought, and I know you know where I'm going with this. Don't we have the biggest cause in the world? Doesn't everybody in the room have the biggest cause in the world? Is there a cause bigger than what we, we met together for this morning for at about 9.30? What brought you through that door? Isn't that the biggest cause in the world? Bringing Jesus to the masses, to, the, to helping other people. See, there's a lot of people in my world who don't understand Jesus and their life's a mess. Isn't Jesus the biggest cause we have? Isn't that enough to get us up and going? I've got to be honest with you. Um, um, I sort of starting to help out with a local sporting club. And this afternoon, we're going to have a meeting for that and whatever else. And, you know, we're trying to sow into that and do something. Leah and I, and, you know, it's a bit beyond church and into the community. But I'll tell you what, I'll tell you this. There's a lot of stuff I wouldn't do for a sporting club that I do for this church every stinking day. Because the cause is so much bigger. So much bigger. Each day, you know, we're given 24 hours we're given it each day. Wouldn't it be great if we could do something, if we could sow something that enables the extension of the kingdom of God? This is a big cause. This is our sow. This is our sow. What does it mean to sow? I'm not necessarily talking about finances this morning. At this church, we, we believe in percentage givers. We believe in tithing. We believe that anything, you know, that we, as we step into percentage giving when we're not thinking about it, it empowers every area of our lives. That's tithing. I'm not talking about that. I'll talk about that another day. I haven't talked about that in almost two years. What we're talking about today is anything that we do that enables Christ's church to fulfill its mission. What am I doing to enable Christ's church to fulfill its mission? That's called getting involved and being part of the solution. You can put that slide up now, slide three. Put up, I think it's three. Yeah, put three up for me. Slide three. When it comes up, see, see, I just thought I'd write just to help you guys out. See, here's a whole heap of areas that any of us can do. And this is, I've got three more, I've got two more things. I'm just trying to help you this morning because this is what a disciple does. This is a recipe for discipleship. There's all these different things that we could sow into. We could, be, we could join the Life Kids team. We could join the Morning Tea team. Join the Host team. Join the IT team. There's, there's way, a lot of stuff beyond these four walls. We could get involved in RI. That's an amazing thing. Every week there's a class of kids waiting for you to teach them about Jesus and they can't go anywhere for, for 30 minutes. Good grief. Are they still doing that in Australia? Yeah, they are, but they won't be doing it for long. Chaplaincy, you know, we could get involved in the committee. That's also about school and stuff. We could get involved with the youth group and what we're doing to sow in the lives of our young people to make sure they don't miss the boat so that they get rescued too. 
building maintenance. I've got to, I, could, I could keep a builder busy for six months here easily. Odd jobs around the facilities, just getting stuff done. There's mission stuff. We talked about shoeboxes this morning. We talked about compassion this morning. There's so much. There's another thing. Eva's place going on. All these things are looking for Christians to go, hey, I want to make a difference, Shane. I want to empower the message of Jesus, Shane. You know, I've got admin, there's a social media stuff, there's design stuff. Look, there's a place for everybody to sow. You just need a cause big enough. Some of the stuff so I used to do, just, I thought I'd write this down because it's easy for the pastors to sit there. But here's some of the stuff I, I used to do as a lay person. When I wasn't here, I was there. At one point in time, we had a man crash. Believe it or not, I was a single guy. I was about 24. I was running the crash. I mean, who, who let me do that? That was crazy. The same time I was on the worship team, cleaning, we we're doing youth, we we're at working bees, we we're doing admin, we we're doing visitation, running small groups, gardening. Right. We had a gardening roster once where you remember the gardening roster where you had to you would mow the one person was me and Dave Cooper were together actually. Uh, that's going back. Uh, that's probably almost 20 years ago. And I was on that, we had to mow the lawns. Um, RI, we talked about, I was doing I was teaching RI, leave work. I organized with my boss to get two hours off once a week for lunch and leave work and go and teach RI in the schools. Anybody can do that. Uh, you know, barbecues, we do fundraising, all that sort of stuff. So many things exist. You don't have to be a pastor, a minister, worship, whatever. You just got to go, oh, what's a disciple? What's, what's the recipe for being a disciple, Shane? Well, it's finding a place to sow. It's finding a place to grow. And it's finding a place to celebrate. There's so many things. There's so many things. I could keep all of you busy full time, to be honest. And I'm not just exaggerating. That's how big the need is. So many opportunities exist to be part of the team. And see, the early church did not see sowing into the kingdom a responsibility so much as a privilege. It's just what they wanted to do. Because they're like, holy dooly, this whole Jesus thing. See, if you'd come from where they'd come from, and you know what, what, what they understood the cost of sin, they understood what it was costing them. And when Jesus turned up and said, I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll deliver you from all your shame, all your wrongdoing, I'll give you peace, I'll give you joy, I'll help you sleep at night. When Jesus turned up and he said that, they're like, how much do we pay? I've got my credit card here, I'll sell my car. If it takes a, I'll, I'd lose a kidney for that. This is the disciples, this is, this is the people, in the, this is the first Christians. Is it any wonder they changed the world? They knew exactly what they were getting. This is the message of Jesus. This is, it's the message of Jesus. And so they weren't, they weren't listening to sermons. They didn't preach sermons like this back then. They didn't need to. Because the, the disciples in the early days were busy telling people how they could help. People knocking on their door. How do we help? How do we impact? This Jesus message is so important. How do we get it out there? They actually had to, this is funny, they actually had to draw straws if you get a job. Like now you only need two legs and a heartbeat. It's true. The passage in Acts bleeds enthusiasm. They were so thankful and they have identified their soul. The second thing you'll find in this verse is find your grow. And finding your grow is a place in the kingdom um, that, so, so the, sorry, finding your grow is a place that the kingdom can grow in you. You've got to find these places, a place to sow, a place to grow. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, verse 42, and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. So this isn't actually talking about Sunday morning. Because here's, I'll, I'll explain to you. Some people still don't get this, I don't think. So when I talk about a place to grow, if you ever hear me say, I'm not talking about this, okay? And I'll explain why. 
So I'm a parent, a few parents here. I'm looking around, a few kids, a few parents. There's a lot of kids. I hope there's more than two or three parents out there, all right, because there's a lot of kids for just a couple of these to look after. But here's the thing. Any parent would know this. If I want my kids to be trained, if I want them to learn something, it's going to take more than a short little talk once a week, and then next week we move on to the next little talk. So if, if, if I touch on clean your room once, a, once every six months, if I talk on go and have a shower when I tell you to once every six months, it ain't going to happen. Every parent knows that. There's no accountability. There's no training. There's no um, reinforcement of reinforcing the message. Parents, parents get accused of what? Of like, of, um, what do you call that when you keep saying stuff all the time? Nagging. Why do they nag? Because they know it's how you've got to get the message through. We don't grow in the context of a Sunday morning sermon. Nobody ever has. People have always grown in the context of relationship. Hopefully you're encouraged. Hopefully you're challenged. Hopefully you've got something to chew on every week. But don't expect to grow. See, I don't expect my children to develop skill sets and grow as human beings if I tell them something once every three or four years. That's about how long it's going to take me to get back to this message. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's obvious. Parents understand. Parents all the way across the room are going, oh, yeah. All right, that's how it is. Growth happens in the context of relationship. Think about this. Before I move on, I won't spend too long on grow, but the crowds heard Jesus' sermons, right? Think about this for a minute. But who was in the upper room? It wasn't the crowds. It was the disciples, the disciplined people. Disciple means disciplined follower, by the way. It doesn't mean believer. It means disciplined follower. See, the crowds heard the sermons, but the disciples were up in the, in the upper room. Who changed the world? The crowds didn't change the world. The 5,000 people that, heard, that saw the miracle of the bread getting bread, they didn't change the world. They were the crowd. They thought it was cool. They didn't change the world. No, it was the disciples. It was the disciples that changed the world. The disciplined, unified followers, they changed the world. In fact, I was, I was reflecting on this. In fact, the crowd who heard his sermons, they were the ones calling out, crucify him, crucify him when they got a better offer. Think about that. Discipleship is so important if we're going to be all we can be. First Timothy 4 verse 7 says this, Do not waste time arguing over godless ideas and old wives' tales. Instead, Instead, so there's an option. There's never a no without a go. Instead, train yourself to be godly. Physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better. Promising benefits. Everyone should have this on their wall. Promising benefits in this life and in life to come. Slide four. Okay, so we don't have traditional Bible study groups. I'm going to spend too long on this. Here, we have, I, I don't have traditional Bible study groups where we look at a topic and we discuss. The reason I don't do that is because I don't think life is long enough for us to do that. We have discipleship groups, and the sole purpose of those is turning believers into followers. That's the whole idea of it. Just turn believer, find a believer, get them into one. And they're all the different groups we run. I think there's 10 or 11 up there. Um, so we run that many groups, small groups, all different times. We've got four or five ladies' ones, and there's four men's ones. We've got a Filipino one. We've got a young adult one. We've got a youth one. Uh, so all these different opportunities for people to journey together in the context of relationship and grow. And we achieve that. How you change? Oh, it's different to it. Well, how do you achieve that? How do you, how do you, how do you, what's the difference between a Bible study and a discipleship group? Well, in a discipleship group, we're trying to create disciplined 
followers of Jesus who dwell together in unity and empower each other. That's what we, that's a, the goal is completely different. How do we do that? It's a simple process of reading the Bible with an expectation that the Holy Spirit will speak to us. That's it. That's the whole thing. I've just unpacked years of my training in one sentence. How do we do that? We train believers to become followers. How do they become followers? They become followers by reading the Word of God so that the Holy Spirit will speak to them. If you're a person here who says, you know what, God's never spoken to me or Holy Spirit's never spoken to me, I'll guarantee you you've never been in one of our discipleship groups, ever. Three weeks it'll take, tops, if it doesn't happen for you the first week. God will speak to you. Now, the thing about that is, or this is, reading the Bible so that the Holy Spirit will speak to us. The thing about it is, it's the most basic of Christian activities. What's the, fir- the first thing they teach you in Sunday school if you're going to be, a, you know, if you're going to be able to follow Jesus for your life is just read the Bible, pray and, and meet together. They're the three things. But so many of us do it so irregularly. Anyway, a place to grow. We all need a place to grow. Um, and if you don't have a place to grow, you're missing part of the recipe to be a part of the unified discipline follower of Jesus. A place to grow, so a place to grow, a place to celebrate. Throw up slide five for me. Slide, slide five is a place to celebrate. Verse 46 says this, they worshiped together at the temple each day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper and they shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the good will of all the people. Now, if we were a footy team, right, and we did the preseason. You know, preseason is where they go before the game. This is, if you're not really into sport, this is what happens. So this happens, not just, I'm not talking about professional sport. I'm talking about cities on the edge of town. They have this thing called preseason, whereas before we even start playing games, we meet together, um, you know, twice a week to train so that we'll be good when the season starts. That's called a preseason, right? That's sowing. They're investing in their season. That's their place to sow. Now, if we we're a footy team and we did that, and then all season long we um, we train, you know, two 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 afternoons or two nights a week, we we're training to to you know be better as a team. See, preseason is usually about fitness, but then the training in season is more about obviously you know usually gelling as a team and working on your your plays and different things like that. that's the growing together part. That's the growth. So for a footy team, they sow and they grow. Now, if you're at a footy team, if you're a part of that footy team, and by the way, when I was talking about the grow before, find a place to grow, don't change the slide. But when I found, talking about that, see, we think we're, we're disciplined followers of Jesus when we turn up here once a week for an hour or so, right? See, if you're in the footy team, you won't make the first grade. You won't make the second grade. and They won't even have you. You get kicked out if you would only turn up on Sundays. They wouldn't let you play. See, when we think we're committed, you know, we're here on Sunday. Mate, I tell you, they'll turn up twice a week for training and then on Sundays, they are always there. Because remember about your cause? See, you, you, the size of your cause dictates the level of your excuse. And so if we think this is a massive cause, see, we're always here, right? On a Sunday morning, we're always here. But, but see, if it's not a big cause for us, well, we got, we got less commitment to this and, and generally, you know, A grade, B grade and C grade about kilometre down the road. Interesting though, isn't it? It's true. If it ain't true, come and tell me afterwards. But anyway, if you've got a place to sow, you've done the preseason, you're growing, you're turning up to training every week, you're growing. Wouldn't you turn up to the celebration if you won the prize? Wouldn't you go to the grand final dinner? This is what we're doing now. A place to celebrate. 
You are too important to the mission to skimp out on the celebration. See, but they go, oh, yeah, I'm a Christian, and they don't come to the celebration. Who does that? Who does that? Do not forsake meeting together. It says in the Word, talks, it says, don't do that. Don't forsake meeting. Don't forsake the celebration. Now, I'm not an English scholar, but I can't find too many other ways of interpreting that other than turn up. It's not, I don't, don't think that's a deep theological thought that we need to pray into and look into in the Greek. Pretty confident the Greek says pretty much, do not forsake meeting together. Maybe in Hebrew it's different. I doubt it. But here's the key. We celebrate not for ourselves, but those for those who are not here yet. That's part of what we do. We come here and we worship God. And we raise His name. We raise His name in this house so that people, so that we can create an environment, an atmosphere here. For people. See, I've said this so many times. I'm so glad. When I gave my heart to the Lord, there were people in a house not dissimilar to this, praising and worshipping God. What if they weren't there that week? What if they'd had the week off the celebration? The whole lot of them. Where would I be? I've pondered that. I have pondered that. And that's why I turn up every week. Because I know that where I would be would be in a totally different place. I am so thankful. I am so thankful those guys in the 80s in Chinchilla that would turn up every week and lift the roof off in worship. And then they'd get it, the preachers would get up and the preachers would unpack the Word of God. And I was so young and I'd be, actually, they used to have pews there and, and I used to play under the pews with little matchbox cars. And they kept turning up for me every week. The whole lot of them, they were already going to heaven. The whole lot of them were. All of them were going to heaven. They all loved Jesus. But they turn up to the celebration so that Shane Wallace didn't have to live, you know, in, in all sorts of pain. I know who I am. You know who you are. You know where your life will be if you never met Jesus. Oh, I'm so thankful. I could never, there's no amount of money I could ever repay any of those guys for turning up every week so that I might find Jesus. It's a place to celebrate. But they didn't, in some respects, I know I say it that way, but in some ways they didn't care because they were there to celebrate. They were there to celebrate their Lord because they knew what I know now and they knew what Jesus had done for them and they were there to celebrate. I tell you, if you want a recipe for being a disciple of Jesus, if you want a recipe for a unified body of believe, of followers that are going to change the world, you're going to need a place to sow. You're going to need a place to grow and you're going to need a place to celebrate. Why